Thanks, Tom. That's great. Nice to see you lost again, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just need to get a few things set up for later in the, uh, in the message. Just to... I thought I won't put them up during worship, otherwise they might distract people. Plus, they'd probably fall over as well. And uh, someone said to me, we mustn't have idols in the, uh, in the, in the building as well. So uh, anyway, my name's Sy. It's great joy to speak to you this morning as we continue in our series of going through 1 and 2 Corinthians, looking at living holy lives in Sin City. And... Uh, we had a sort of three-week break over the Easter period looking at freedom in, in fact. We looked at the freedom that we, the Son of God, brings to those who come to him. We looked at the freedom that uh, he gives us to be free from sin and to live for God. And then last week, Andy wonderfully looked at how Christ came to set the captive free and then gave the same commission, the same responsibility to the church to do the same. Well, today, wonderfully, those two series of 1 Corinthians and freedom come together as I look at 1 Corinthians 9, because the passage that we're going to speak on today could be summed up with these words, free to serve the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's virtually all that's going to appear on the screen today, apart from the scripture and just uh, one or two other pictures. But uh, that's, that is the sum of uh, my message. So let's open your Bibles if you've got them. Otherwise, it will appear on the screen behind me and we'll read 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says this, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defence to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not speak entirely for our sake? It was written for our sake, because the ploughman should plough plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings?' 
in the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this on my own will, I have a reward. But if not on my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching, I might present the gospel free of charge, so as to make full use, as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, least after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Before we go any further, I'm going to need a, a volunteer to throw something. So we've got some volunteers. Uh, Ivy, first volunteer, great. Do you want to come forward? Do you want to take this blue box just under there? If you want to stand back off the stage. And what you've got to do, Ivy, is you've got to throw the bricks in there and try not to hit Captain America because all the others are under Thanos' spell and they're baddies and they're keeping him in prison at the moment. Okay, So you need to try and knock them over with those bricks and, uh, and set Captain America free. It doesn't matter if he gets knocked over. He can get up and uh, get out again. It's okay. But uh, you, you go for it. We can cheer her as she, as, she goes, uh, as she goes for it. Go on, Ivy. Off you go. Hey! Oh, nearly. Cool. Oh. Go on, Ivy, you can do it. Oh! Oh, nearly. Hey, one down. Oh, Captain America down. But... God, they're tough, those two, aren't they? Hey, one down to go. Hey, well done, Ivy. Oh, Ivy, come back quickly. Why did you set Captain America free? So that he could...
go and be a tyrant, that he could be, live a selfish life, or that he could go and do awesome things. Awesome things. Well done. Great. Well done, Ivy. You didn't realise, Ivy, but you were playing the part of Jesus this morning. You see, Jesus sets us free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. The gospel of God teaches us, the gospel of Jesus teaches us that we could not set ourselves free. We could not save ourselves by our own efforts. But through faith, Jesus' righteousness can be accredited to our lives when we surrender to him. Our mistakes, the things that we have done wrong that offend a holy God, that place us under God's wrath, get placed on Jesus when we put our faith in him. And then we wonderfully receive Jesus' righteousness. We receive his holiness. We receive God's forgiveness on and in our lives. All that we have contributed to the mess gets placed on Jesus and all that he has done to resolve that problem gets placed on us through faith in him. And then he puts his spirit in us, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead three days later lives in us and gives us the power to transform us to live for God. And also, he's not just transforming us, he's also a sign, a guarantee of our future inheritance in God, that we, when we die, we will live forever. That's what the gospel of God does for us, praise God. That's what the gospel is. What we couldn't do for God, he has done for us. But what has the Son of God set us free for here and now. That's, that's what he's doing, but why has he done it? Not to go back to our same old sinful lifestyle, not to engage in sexual immorality, any sex outside of marriage between man and a wife, not to be given to drunkenness or a greedy lifestyle, as Paul's already addressed in 1 Corinthians 6, not to abuse our freedoms so that it causes other Christians to struggle with their walk with God, 1 Corinthians 8. Some commentators on the passage that I've just read see Paul hinting back to these passages in verses 3 to 5 there, that he's hinting back to these issues that he's already addressed in chapter 6 to 8. But here in this passage, in chapter 9 today, the Apostle Paul makes it clear through his example as an apostle, as one who had seen the risen Lord Jesus himself, that he had not used all his rights because his chief concern was, as it says in verse 14, not to put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. That word obstacle is the only time that Greek word is used in the New Testament. And the Romans, it's a, it's a word that was used when the Romans would, they would break up a road in front of an advancing army. So it put an, an obstacle in the way of that army advancing. Also in verse 22 and 23, Paul's chief concern that he would become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Paul is speaking in this passage about his right 
to receive financial support from the church. He grounds it in an everyday examples of a soldier, of a farmer, of a shepherd, things that people would see all around them and understand what he's saying in verse 7. Not content just to leave it there, he grounds it in Scripture as well, verses 8 to 10, showing that before God, it was right that the saints give towards the work of God. He's demonstrating in this passage what he teaches elsewhere in Romans 15 verse 4 or 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11 as Rob will look at uh, next week that the things written down in the Old Testament are there for instruction of his church going forward. Paul expected them to have an understanding an appreciation of the Old Testament. What's your Old Testament knowledge like at the moment, my friends. It's God's word for us today. If you don't read it, it's a bit like watching those first three Star Wars uh, uh, videos that should uh, appear on the screen behind me, so you can see them there. It's a bit like watching them without seeing the three prequels that came out a little bit later in the, the, the 90s, the, the next one there. There, there you go. You, you've, got, you've, got, you've got, in the New Testament, you've got Jesus, the main character. You've got the way of salvation is revealed. But you don't have the rich backstory of God's unfolding plan of redemption. So whilst we interpret what's in the Old Testament through the eyes of the New Testament, it's still 100% God's word to us today. Read it is my encouragement to you. Study it. Live it. Love it. If you want a summary of the sort of historical um, sweep of what happens in the Old Testament, read Nehemiah 9 or Acts chapter 7. And you get a broad brushstroke of an account of what happens in the Old Testament. If you want an outline to help you read through the whole history of the Old Testament, then ask your life group leaders or contact the office about our discipleship pack. And under phase three in the discipleship pack, you've got um, the scripture verses there, which take you right the way through the historical accounts in the Old Testament. And then from there, it gives you a good framework to understand some of the prophets and other things that were happening in it. But read it. Paul certainly expected the Corinthians to have an understanding of it. But anyway, back to the gospel. Paul shows from nature and from scripture that we as believers are called to give towards the work of God. Primarily to our local church where we're being spiritually fed. Verses 10 and 12 make clear to us. Uh, Wright says in his book on this passage, if Christian people are giving as they should, a congregation of 10 people can support a minister at the same level of their average income. How many churches take that challenge seriously? Paul draws on the Old Testament example of priests next and uh, ties it in with the Lord's command in Luke chapter 10, verse 7. He he pulls that together in verse 14 in our passage where he says that those who proclaim the gospel should get their 
living by the gospel. Again, showing how beautifully Old and New Testament come together. That is what is expected. That is what is right before God. We as members and them needed to hear and see clearly what God expected of them and us. And that's why we should regularly be praying about, God, what's right for us to be giving towards our local church. However, Paul was not writing because he wanted them to give towards him. He's very clear, actually, in this passage in verse 12 and in verse 15 to 18. That's not his purpose in writing it to them. It's not for his own personal support. Paul's life was given to the service of the gospel. Because he knew, as Romans 1 verse 16, verse 16 says, for it is the power of God for all who believe. There's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name given among men by which we should be saved. Acts 4 verse 12. He wanted them to experience the free nature of the gospel, so he presented it to them free of charge. That was his boast. That is why he did it. He had to preach the gospel. That was his commission from Jesus. It was his right to receive funds from them, but he didn't. He let it go to others for the sake of the gospel. It's interesting to note that if you look at Acts chapter 18, Paul did initially, when he was in Corinth, work with his hands. But when Silas and Timothy came and joined him there, he gave himself full time to the work of the gospel. Either they supported him to do that, or more likely, he just come from Macedonia, he he received the gift from Macedonia, which enabled him to support himself, the gift that he refers to in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 9. You know, praise God that we as a church give towards works abroad. We support people to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so we are like the Macedonians in that respect. Paul, in this passage, though, did it all he says, for the sake of the gospel. It was all about the gospel for the Apostle Paul because in truth, it is all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, we as Christians, we've been saved for eternal life with God on a renewed and a perfected world. Hallelujah. The Son of God has made you righteous. You're adopted. You're accepted. You're forgiven. You're clean. You're made holy before God in Jesus. We have a glorious future awaiting us as Christians. Hallelujah. But it's awaiting us. It's not here yet because we have the privilege, and it is a privilege as well as a responsibility, but we have the privilege of helping to share the gospel to the ends of the earth by our speaking, our living, and our giving towards it. Calvin says on this passage, For the Lord expects his servants to be eager so as to take pleasure in obeying him 
and demonstrate their cheerfulness by acting without hesitation. That's why you're still here, my friends. That's why I'm still here. Let's not get distracted by money or by pleasure or by anything temporary. Let's not get distracted from the, divine, from, from the weight of the divine call that is on your life and on my life to preach the gospel, to share the gospel. The Holy Spirit is more than ready to enable you to share your faith and to enable you to help others share the gospel through your praying and through your giving. My friends, I hope you're getting the heart of this passage, which was the Apostle Paul's heart, that we would engage in enabling the gospel to go out to the ends of the earth. Don't be like the football player who, or who gets so distracted by what the crowd is doing that he takes his eye off the ball and misses it. Or some might say like the football clubs who take their eye off the, off the crowds to the money. But anyway, that's, a, that's another thing. Or don't be the worker who's distracted playing in the sawdust that he doesn't get involved in building the house. That's us, my friends, when we allow ourselves to get distracted by temporary, by worldly things around us. Your life matters. Your life has an eternal purpose in God because you have an eternal future thanks to Jesus Christ. Don't get distracted by perishable things. Paul warns us in verse 24 to 27. Focus on what is imperishable. Don't disqualify yourself by allowing your freedom that God has given you to be squandered on worldly things. Yes, as Paul tells us earlier in 1 Corinthians 3, 15, we will still be saved, but it's only as one who has escaped through fire. And that's not nice, my friends. You've been set free, the Bible says. Don't come under the slavery of sin again. It'd be like Captain America choosing to go back into prison under those guys. You've been set free by Jesus for a purpose. Gordon Fee says in his book, commenting on this passage, that the key to everything must be for us what it was for Paul. No hindrance to the gospel. Does that sum up your life, my friends? Does that sum up how you are choosing to live at the moment? Paul moves on from the example of money to uh, to how he chooses to live for the sake of the gospel. He, he looks at how amongst Jewish people, he behaved in a culturally acceptable way to try and save some of them. To those under the Old Testament law, he lived like one under the Old Testament law whilst sharing the gospel with them. To those outside of the ceremonial Old Testament law, he lived like that while still being under the moral laws of God, still being obedient to all Christ says he should do in verse 20 to 21. My friends, he mixed with people who are different to him and adapted so that he could become all things to all people in the hope that by all means I might save some. 
verse 22. You see, for us as Christians, there should be no ability for us to say, oh, you know, they're just not really my type of people. I just don't really get on with them. Don't like the way they look. Don't, they're a bit different to me. They're a bit odd, different, you know, sort of uh, in age or social status or something like that. They culturally seem odd to me. Are they people? Yes. Does God love them? Yes. Then adapt and share the gospel with them. The onus is on you to do that. You may be naturally, and this is absolutely fine, you may be naturally somebody who's more locally focused where God has placed you. You're not really interested in the stuff that is going on around the world or the stuff that we're involved with uh, abroad. But are they people? Yes. Do, does God want them to hear the gospel and respond? Yes. Then we, through our praying and giving need to help remove obstacles and enable them to hear the gospel of God and do it. And when we do that, and actually we do do it as a church and been able to do it all through this year as well, we, like the Apostle Paul in verse 23, can know that we will share with them in the blessing of the gospel. See, what a privilege, my friends, that we have as a church, as Christchurch, to be involved in serving the gospel, going to the nations, to Bulgaria, to the Horn of Africa, in Mexico, over um, in, in Uganda, and, and places like that. My friends, don't let the pleasures of this world or the deceitfulness of wealth distract you. You're called to live for eternity. Don't let anything temporary distract you from enabling the gospel to go out through you and through us as a church. You know, when was the last time that you personally shared the gospel with somebody? Just feel actually a, a, a challenge for, in one sense it's a challenge to all of us, but I feel it's specific uh, to us. When was the last time you shared the gospel with a neighbour I feel like even as I was talking about people that are difficult to get on with, for, for somebody here, there's, you've got a, a difficult neighbour. And God wants you to go again and share the gospel. When was the last time you invited someone to Alpha or to church? 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 tells us that today is the day of salvation. So let's look to see people saved. Let's give our lives in service of the gospel. You see, in reality, that is actually what the gift days, the next two weeks, are about. Yes, it's about a loan repayment that got us into this building. Yes, it's about future ministries of the church. But why does the church exist? The church exists so that we can share the love of Jesus in Helsham and beyond by the power of the Holy Spirit, to the glory of God the Father. That's our vision statement. That's what we're about. We're about sharing the gospel with the world around us. It's been a difficult year for many. Money for many is tight. But prayerfully decide in your heart what you feel is right to give over these next two weeks in the, in the gift day towards 
the work of the gospel ringing out through us at Christ Church. Remember the Apostle Paul's encouragement as well in Galatians 6 verse 9. And that's written in the context of giving, by the way, because he knows that's an area we easily grow weary in. He says this, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. There are eternal rewards for our obedience, for our generosity and our faith in the age to come. But here and now, we have the promise of reaping a harvest of lives won for Jesus as the gospel bears fruit, as it surely will. And there's lots of prophecies about that happening as well. So as I finish, if I call the band uh, back up, let me remind you, you have been set free to serve the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is why God has saved you and not taken you to be with him yet. That's why you are here. Can I invite you to, to stand? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus or you know that you've gone away from God and you're wanting to come back to him, as I've been speaking to you, I'm thinking, yeah, I want to receive that forgiveness. I want my life to have eternal significance. I want to know that I'm accepted, that I'm brought into God's family. And just pray this prayer in your heart along with me. Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved me enough to send Jesus to die on a cross for me. Please forgive me of all the things that I've done that offend you, that are wrong, that hurt other people. And please help me through the power of your spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to live the rest of my life for you. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please come and speak to me afterwards or let the office know. We'd love to help you in your Christian walk. But for the rest of us, most of us here who have already given our lives to Jesus, let's give our all to serving the gospel as we focus on eternity. Because it's, it's the day that all creation is waiting for. And that day cannot come until the gospel the Bible tells us, has gone out to every tribe, tongue and nation. Chris.